Uh, if you have your Bibles, open them up to Exodus chapter 28. Uh, can I ask you guys to stand as we read God's Word together? Looking for what I... Oh, there we go. Thank you, Justin. This is Exodus chapter 28, starting in verse 1. This is God speaking to Moses. Then bring near to you Aaron, your brother, and his son with him from among the people of Israel to serve me as priests, Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar. And you shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty. You shall speak... You shall speak to all the skillful whom I have filled with a spirit of skill that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him for my priesthood. These are the garments that they shall make, a breastpiece, an ephod, a robe, a coat of checkered work, a turban, and a sash. They shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, and his sons to serve me as priests. They shall receive gold, blue, and purple, and scarlet yarns, and fine twisted linen." All right, you guys can have a seat. And now some of you are like, wait, what was that about? Um, this past Friday was my daughter Kayla's 10th birthday. Yeah. She turned 10, 10 years ago. It was crazy labor. Just can tell you about that. We don't have time for that, but that was nuts. Um, so for her 10th birthday, she got this big present. It was a big, big to her. She got two presents. One of them was a big deal to her. Uh, in addition to going out for sushi, her favorite food. Went out for sushi. Then she got this present. I'm going to tell you what it is and some of you are going to judge us. We got her a cell phone. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Boo, boo. Bad parenting. Bad parenting. That's the problem with our culture today. Parents get their kids cell phones at too young of an age. I get it. I get it. I get it. Um, we made her. We made a deal. You, we give you a cell phone. You, you don't ask to be on social media until you're in high school. So that's, that was a deal. I know of you are like, good luck with that. We are committed. We are committed. We are determined. We are determined. That's the deal we made. Now, the primary reason we got our cell phone is so that she could babysit for her little sister so we could <laughs> so we could leave the house for an hour or two, go on a date, go over to River Rock around the house, and so that then she could be in communication with us. For a job to do, exercise authority over your sisters, caring for them, but you need to be in communion with us, communicate with us, hear from us about what we want for you to do, us be able to check in on you, you be able to check in on us, ask us questions. If you have a question about what do I do in this situation, you can call us, you can check in on us. That's the primary reason we got her this cell phone. And basically what we want her from her as this babysitter exercising authority over sisters and then being in communication with is kind of like what God has called you and I to be over his creation and in this world. You and I are called to be, I'm going to tell you right up front, right off the bat, what I hope you, to, you get from this message. You are called to be, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've trusted in Jesus, part of his priesthood. You're called to be priests. I know some of us, we have this idea of priest. If you think of a priest, you think of maybe an office of a priest in the Catholic Church, perhaps. Or you think of some scandal, or you think of a movie about a scandal. Um, I want you to think about your call to be a priest 
of God in this world wherever you go. When you go to your job, when you go to the, your schools, when you go to a coffee shop, you are called by God, if you're a follower of Jesus, to be a priest for him. You might not know exactly what that means just yet. I hope that becomes more clear as this message goes on. But that's what you're called to be. To exercise his authority over creation, but also be in constant communication with him so that you can hear from him on what his priorities are and what his heart is and then bring in his heart back to the world. Kind of like Kayla's supposed to be for her sisters when she's babysitting. That's the section we're at in the book Exodus here. We're in this section where God is appointing the first priests in the tabernacle. We've just seen how God uh, brought them to Mount Sinai and gave them the laws and says, you're going you're gonna, to you know, be my special people. You're going to be a blessing to the whole world by following these laws. But he also told them that I want you to construct this tabernacle. That's what we talked about last week. We saw uh, pictures of it. There's a tabernacle that they had to construct. This is where God's presence met the earth. Where God wanted to dwell on the earth with broken humanity. He said build, construct this, this space called a tabernacle. And we talked about how the tabernacle was a precursor to the temple which was a foreshadow of Jesus coming to dwell in flesh and then Jesus ascended into heaven but God's still dwelling on the earth remember how through us God calls us his temple that he's constructing he's putting together a new temple made up of us indwelt by his holy spirit as we trust in Christ we are his new temple and we talked last week about how important it is for us to be united together fighting for unity because our unity impacts how God is able to be a, 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 a his presence on this earth that was last week and now we see that God is also calling us not just his temple but his new priests the priests Aaron Moses's brother Aaron and his and his sons that this this priesthood that God was establishing then was a foreshadow of Jesus but now you and I are his new priests. And I hope it makes sense what that means. I, I, I likened it in an email yesterday to like um, us being given a, a vacation home. Somebody buys you a vacation home. It's absolutely free. You can use it anytime you want. Picture your favorite dream spot. Maybe the Florida coast. Maybe Tahiti. Whatever. You know, whatever. But it's a home. It's free. Use it whenever you want. It's a gift. You have access to it. Here's the keys. And too often, right... Too often, we, we get so busy that we don't use the gifts we're given. Imagine that kind of gift you don't use. How, oh man, how sad would that be? You've got access to this vacation home. You never use it because you're too busy with your job. You're too busy with sports. Imagine that. That'd be sad, right? Imagine if you felt like you, you're too prideful to receive the gift. And you felt like, well, let me work it off. Let me, let me save up and I'll pay you back. And the, the, the giver of the gift is like, no, just go use it. No, no, I couldn't take it. I couldn't take it. Right? We do that thing. That'd be sad as well. God has given us access to his presence. He's called us to be his priests. And too often, we either don't feel worthy to come into his presence and we feel like we have to earn it. I got to put in a good week first before I can come into your presence. Or, or we get distracted and busy. Think, man, I'll, I'll get, when I get time, but I'm busy with my work and I'm busy with my activities. Or some of us never even said yes 
to God's invitation to us. We, we never even said yes to it. So we're going we're gonna to talk about that. My title for today is called uh, Neglecting Our Priesthood. We're followers of Jesus, we're called to be priests, and yet too many times we neglect this calling. We neglect to take advantage of it. So let me, let me pray. Sinks in today. Lord, help us. Lord Jesus, we ask for your help tonight. All of us are tempted to be distracted by something. Including me. So help us. Pray that your spirit would illuminate your revealed word tonight. In a way that hits us personally, individually, and also together, corporately. God, I pray that this message makes a difference in our weeks. Not just for us, but for the people we're going to come in contact with throughout this week. I pray in your name. Amen. All right, now to understand this idea of priesthood and how uh, it constant theme throughout scripture, uh, I want to show you a video. This video kind of highlights the first priests are. Okay? The first priests ever wasn't Aaron and his sons. Check, check, check this video out. So if you lived in ancient Israel, one of the most important places was the tabernacle. The tabernacle was a sacred tent that the Israelites carried as they journeyed to the promised land. And it was sacred because it's where the heavenly presence of Israel's God lived on earth. And the tabernacle had an important design to show just how special it was. There's the outer courtyard, then an entry room into the tent, and it leads into the center of the tabernacle, the Holy of Holies, God's personal throne room. And it's guarded by these heavenly hybrid creatures called cherubim. Notice, the closer that you get to the center, the more sacred the space becomes. The people who work in the tabernacle are called priests, and they care for the sacred space, offer sacrifices on behalf of Israel, and announce God's blessing over the people. Yeah, these priests represent God to the people, and they represent the people to God. So think of both the tabernacle and the priests who work in it like gateways that link together heaven and earth. And this is why the tabernacle was eventually brought up to settle on a mountain, because mountains are where earth meets heaven. Now, one thing that's missing in this tabernacle that you would find in every other ancient holy space are idol images that physically represent the God. Oh right, Israel's God explicitly commanded them to not make any idol images. And that's because in the Bible, all humanity is God's image. This is what we learn in the first pages of the Bible, where Adam and Eve, in Hebrew their names mean human and life, they're called God's image, which means they represent God in his holy space. And that holy space is a garden in a land called Eden. Yes, and the story is designed to show that Eden is the reality that the later tabernacle symbolized and pointed back to. For example, look close at the descriptions of Eden. There's the larger region on the land that's called Eden, but then within Eden, God plants a garden. And then in the center of that garden, God plants the tree of life. The design of Eden matches the tabernacle design. Yes, and there are details in the Eden story that are developed much later in the Bible showing how Eden is on a high mountain. Because they're in a place where earth meets heaven. Exactly. And God tells these humans to work and to keep the garden. 
These are the same words that are used later in the Bible to describe what priests do in the tabernacle. So Adam and Eve are God's image and are like priests working and worshiping in a type of heaven on earth temple. Yes, they represent creation before God, and as God's image, they represent God to all of creation. And they do all of this in this sacred space that's saturated with the life and presence of God. And so God tells them to rule creation on his behalf. They're like priests who embody God's heavenly wisdom and rule here on earth. You could call them royal priests. Exactly. Now, this whole setup, the royal priests in God's presence where there's abundance and life, in the book of Genesis, this is called God's blessing. But... It doesn't last very long. No. Humanity is deceived by this rebellious creature. They're unsatisfied with being images of God, and so they make a grab at being God, ruling creation on their own terms. And so God exiles them from the garden. And God places Keravim at the door of Eden to guard the way back in. This is tragic. Humanity has given up the role God made them for. But it's not the end. The rest of the biblical story is about God's mission to undo this tragedy so that humans can regain access to the heaven-on-earth place where they can finally become God's royal priests. It all begins with a promise that God makes to Adam and Eve that he will raise up one of their descendants to rule over and defeat that deceiver. God says that this coming descendant will strike the head of that deceiver but also be struck by it. So this priestly figure will restore God's blessing by offering up his own life like a sacrifice. But this is still just a promise. Yes, and so in the next story, we find the next generation outside of Eden. Two brothers at the door of the garden are offering sacrifices to God, kind of like priests. Maybe God will accept these offerings and they can get back into Eden. But sadly, one brother, Cain, gets angry because God favors his brother Abel's sacrifice. And so, Cain murders his own brother. Then Cain is exiled even further from Eden and from God's blessing. And over time, Cain's anger plunges humanity into widespread violence. Humans really need that coming royal priest to rescue them. Yes, and that's the hope that this whole story is designed to generate. And so, in the next few videos, we're going to explore the theme of this coming royal priest throughout the story of the Bible. We're going to see how the stories of Abraham and Moses and David all point forward to Jesus, who is the ultimate royal priest. Jesus, the one who will restore the blessings of Eden. So that all humanity can become the royal priests that we're made to be, ruling the world together on God's behalf. So, that's a little overview of the theme of priest and priesthood. Adam and Eve in the garden, the first priests. And then Genesis 3 tells us about the first priest scandal. <laughs> Where they're grabbing hold and saying, we're going to do our own thing. We're grabbing for autonomy. And we see that throughout the rest of Scripture. The, uh, in Exodus 28 and 29, by the way, we're not covering all of that tonight, but you can read that this week, Exodus 28 and 29, about the setting up the, the priesthood. But, but Aaron and his sons, uh, they don't do a very good job of representing God, of pursuing God's presence, and then representing God back to the people. In fact, the next, uh, in next month when we're back in Exodus, uh, you're going to see that Aaron leads the people in playing some pretty nutty religious games with a golden calf. I mean, they, they just 
priests have been failing ever since, right? But then Jesus came. Then Jesus came. That all of that was a foreshadow of the ultimate perfect priest. God in flesh. Jesus who came and put on flesh. And Hebrews 9 tells us. I want to jump over to Hebrews 9 if you have your Bibles. I want to read this to you. Starting in verse 11. It says this. But when Christ appeared the high priest of the good things that have come then through the greater and more perfect tent or tabernacle not the one made with hands that is not of this creation it's not the one that Moses and the Israelites put together it's a different one entered once for all into the holy places not by means of the blood of goats and calves but by means of his own blood thus securing an eternal redemption. So Jesus came, he died on the cross, his blood was shed, and he entered the Holy of Holies, not the one in a tabernacle or a temple, but in the throne room of God in heaven. He brought his blood. It wasn't the blood of bulls and goats that the priests had been sacrificing on a regular basis. It was his own blood, once and for all, the final payment that he offered so that anybody... Any one of us who trusts in him would have our sins covered over by that blood. And then we could follow him into that holy of holies, that space. Where is, the rest of the Israelites couldn't enter. When God, God, God appointed Aaron and his sons, only they could enter into the holy space of the tabernacle as representatives of the Israelites. They had to stand back. They couldn't go into the, the deeper the more intimate place. They couldn't get into God's presence. But you and I, because Jesus came as our ultimate high priest and brought his blood shed for us, we can follow behind him into the presence of God. As unholy and broken as we are, we come in and God covers over our sin by the blood of Jesus so that when he looks at us, he doesn't see our sins, but he sees Jesus, when we trust in him. And so the, the writer of Hebrews says in, verse, in chapter 4, he says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we possess, profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. No, he knows our pain. He knows our condition. He's entered into it. He stepped into it. He brought it upon himself. We have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. He went through the test perfectly. You and I fail all the time, amen? Anybody? Fail recently? Yeah? Jesus entered into similar testing and temptation, but went through it perfectly obedient to the Father's will on our behalf so that he could be that perfect high priest, that perfect spotless lamb, and so that his blood could be so pure that it covers once and for all time our redemption. And then the writer of Hebrews says, as a result, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. We can approach God's throne with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is what you get. Don't neglect this. 
Don't think that you have to pay your own sacrifices to enter into the presence of God. People often say, followers of Jesus often have said to me, hey, Chris, as if I have God's ear more than they do, can you offer up, you know, some prayer about this and that? And I have sometimes correct them and say, no, God doesn't hear my prayers more than your prayers because Jesus' blood covers your sin just like it covers my sin. That's what you're going in on with the blood of Jesus. So all of us get to enter in. You had a bad week. You screwed up a minute ago. You still get to enter the throne of grace with confidence. The holy of holies. Because Jesus' blood covers over it. Now if you're not a Christian, you don't get to do that. And you might be feeling like, I, my, my relationship with God is distant. I feel like my prayers are hitting a wall. I feel like there's a, something there. It might be because you're not a follower of Jesus. You don't have that access to God's presence. Remember that vacation home analogy I said before? You, you, you ne maybe never accepted the keys, and yet you showed up at the house, and you're trying to break open a window, wondering why the door's locked, because you never received the keys. And the key's Jesus. Jesus access to God's presence. He's the access to God's presence. He's the high priest who went in before us, offering his blood in the Holy of Holies so that all who trust in him can follow behind him, entering into the Holy of Holies as well. The priests in the book of Exodus, Aaron and his sons, they had to wear garments. Remember that? Remember we read that passage earlier? They had to wear these garments Remember, you know, in fact, the first thing we hear about the priests is what they needed to wear. We don't even hear about what they do yet. In this whole section of Exodus, the focus at first is on what they had to wear. These garments were supposed to be beautiful and glorious because they reflected heaven. And what God was saying was that these priests could not enter into God's presence naked. I don't mean literally naked. They could not come as they are. You and I do not get to come into the presence of God as we are. Come as you are. Not true exactly. You and I don't get to come into the presence of God as we are. The priests couldn't. They had to wear these garments that had to be made that signified garments of heaven. What you and I get to come into the presence of God with is garments that Jesus gives us. Jesus gives us robes of righteousness when we trust in him. The Bible says, He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Christ gives us robes of righteousness. He once told the parable of a prodigal son who ran off, did some stupid things, and he came back to his dad. He said, Dad, I screwed up. Can I just be one of your servants? And the father doesn't just say all's forgiven. The father says, we're going to have a party. Get my robe and put it on him. The robe signified sonship. He's my son again. He was lost, but now he's found. When we come to faith in Christ, he covers us with his robes of righteousness, with these garments so that we can enter the presence of God. You don't have to clean yourself up. He cleans us up. The priest, if you go on to read in, in chapter 29, you see that they, the priest had to be washed. It says, bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance to the tent of meeting and wash them with water. Symbolizing they were unclean, they were dirty, they needed to be washed. It just symbolizes what needed to take place inwardly. Well, Jesus actually accomplished that inwardly. When we trust in him, he washes us from the inside out. 
And the priests had to be set apart. It says in Exodus 29.7, take the anointing oil and anoint him as Aaron by pouring it on his head. It was a symbol of God's spirit. It was a symbol of him being set apart and consecrated. Well, you and I, when we trust in Christ, his spirit comes to actually live in us, setting us apart like fine china for special purposes in this world, special purposes in his creation. So we get to come into the throne room of God with confidence, boldly, praying bold prayers even a minute after you screwed up big time. Because we're dressed in the robes of Jesus, set apart by his spirit. We get to come boldly, but also makes us part of Jesus's priesthood he's our high priest and we're part of his as his little brothers and sisters we're part of his priesthood Peter said this in first Peter 2 9 you are a chosen people you know who he's writing to he wasn't writing to just Jews he was writing to a bunch of churches scattered around made up of Jews Gentiles Greeks basically could have been writing to us you, True Life Church, are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. You guys, that you may declare the praises of him who calls you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You guys, you and me, we're part of this royal priesthood. And this echoes back to Exodus 19, if you have been with us, where God called Israel a royal priesthood, a chosen nation. They did not fulfill what God's plan for them was. That is fulfilled in Jesus and we get to live out the fulfillment of that. We get to live out the fulfillment of what God wanted for them back in Exodus. To be part of this royal priesthood. That's what we get. Now, practically speaking, what does this mean for you and me? Two things. We're going to basically spend the rest of the book of Exodus talking about God's presence and what worship is. That's basically the themes for the rest of the book of Exodus. But I just want to highlight two things that I saw from this section with the priests for you and I tonight, okay? Just two things, just two things. Number one, priests pursue the presence of God in prayer. The priests in the Old Testament came into the presence of God on behalf of the people. They would bear the names of the 12 tribes of Israel, bearing them on their shoulders and in their heart and they would bring them into the presence of God they would offer the sacrifices well you and I as priests we are to come into the presence of God we get to we get to but we also are called to we should we must take advantage of that coming into the presence of God through prayer Colossians 4.2 says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. That's what prayer is. It's coming into the presence of God. It's not just asking for things. It's not just sending up an Amazon list to God. When you're a follower, if, if you're not a follower of Jesus, yes, that's basically what it is. Wondering, did they get my order? I don't know. But when you're a follower of Jesus and you've been given access into the throne room of God, you come to him and sometimes prayer is asking bold prayers. Sometimes it's praising him. Sometimes it's just being with God. But we pursue that presence of God. First, uh, first, 
Thessalonians 5.16 says, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Pray everything. Give thanks in all circumstances. That will for you in Christ Jesus. Wondering what God's will for you is? It's that. Come into the presence of God, rejoicing, giving thanks, praying. So let me just share a little bit about what this looks like for me. I stumble through this, but this, I just want to share. There's no formula. I'm not saying this is my rhythms on a daily or weekly basis, and therefore you should adopt it and take notes. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying maybe God will speak to you somehow, and you're like, oh, yeah, you know what? I can, I can make that more of a priority, or I can adapt that. Just going to share a little bit of my day and my week kind of trying to pursue the presence of God, making that a priority as best that I can. So I wake up in the morning, and the first thing I do is I, I grab a cup of coffee, I go on my porch, and I sit down with a Bible and a journal, and I just sit there. And, and it looks different every morning. Sometimes if I'm feeling a little anxious about the day, and I feel like oh, I got to get two things, and I'm mind's racing. I will try to just journal a list of things of ways that I saw God at work in the last couple days. So that just reminds me, God is faithful. He's at work. That's right. I prayed for that two days ago and he's at work. In fact, every week I have a list of ways that God's been at work that week. And I just try to add to it every day. Sometimes that's the first thing I do if I'm feeling a little, a little anxious. Sometimes I'm just feeling black. I'm like, I don't even want to live this day. Things. I'm like, I'm like, I'm in a fog, or I didn't sleep good, and I just feel like, so I pray, God, can you just revive me right now? Just spiritually revive me this morning? Like, not just physically, but spiritually, like, get me excited about this day? Because right now, I'm not excited. Can you get me excited? I got the meeting. I'm not, I'm dreading that meeting. Can you get me excited that you might be at work in that meeting? Right now, I don't feel like you're, can you do something? So I, I, sometimes that's the first thing I do. Sometimes I just watch the squirrels on my neighbor's trees. He's got a bunch of trees. I watch them jumping around and the sun coming up. And I just praise God that, man, that's, this is, a, God's in charge of all this creation. He's in charge of my life. I just take a moment and praise him and remember that. I'll open up scripture and I'll read. Right now I'm going through the book of Matthew on my own. I do that as a church in 2022, the miracles and the teachings of Jesus. But that's, I'm, I'm kind of just doing that for me right now highlighting things, journaling about it. Uh, around 7.30, my kids start to come down. Uh, Tessa, the, the, our youngest, is kind of on this, I don't know, interesting kick, I'll call it. Um, that's probably the wrong word for it, but she wants to read the book of John with me. So she'll come out, and, and we'll read for about five minutes from the book of John, and highlight something, we'll talk about it. The other not right now uh, they'll read on their own sometimes but Tessa will read with me and we'll we'll just kind of you know try to get into God's presence together right and then after five minutes she's off and you know try to get stuff for the day and deal with the dog and their lunches and whatnot Jess uh, when she gets back from a run usually somewhere around that time uh, she'll jump in the shower when I hear the shower go on that's my cue this is my opportunity to pray with my wife so I go in the bathroom push the door Sit bathroom door so the kids can't get in or lock it. And I usually say, hey, do you want to pray? I don't know why I always ask, just in case she says no. Sometimes she's, you know, uh, maybe wants time alone. But usually she's like, sure. Right? So we'll, we'll pray together. We'll pray for many of you guys on, on a daily basis. We hardly ever miss. This is not me saying, again, this is not me saying everything that I'm, I'm doing, you need to. I'm not saying that. And this is, this, this might help you. Give you some ideas. Right, so we'll pray together, um, trying to enter God's presence together, bringing burdens of God's people and the world 
into God's presence together, right? Uh, and that'll just be for a few minutes and then we'll go about our day. Throughout the day, if there's a moment of anxiety throughout the day, if moment where I'm kind of feeling ticked off at somebody, I know I got to just stop and pause and go, God, what's up in my heart right now? What, what, what have I made too important? Or what, what am I afraid of right now? What, what feels threatened right now? It might just be a minute, but I just try to stop and pause. You know, God, d- 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 everybody's annoying me right now. Why is that? What is wrong with my heart right now? Um, and I just ask him to show me. On a weekly basis, Thursday mornings, our, our, you know, we have five going on six prayer groups happening throughout our church. Um, I'm part of the one on Thursday mornings at nine at the office. Uh, so we pray, group of us go and we pray together. Um, in the past, that's been a fasting day, uh, kind of historically the last few years. Um, so then around lunchtime, I'll break away and try to just go pray on my own for, for things in our church. Kind of big picture prayers for our family and even areas of growth for me that God's shown me. I try to just, I have this like master kind of list of just things I try to pray on a weekly basis. So on Thursday, uh, around lunchtime, I'll get away, take a walk, take a drive. Um, and, and then, and then on, on Sundays, just praying for our time together and, and some of you guys and what I hope God does this week in your life. And, uh, some people who I haven't seen in a while, pray that God bring him, bring you back. Some of you, he did for some of you tonight. <laughs> he brought you back. Uh, you know, people that uh, are, are, are dealing with stuff, praying for you guys. And, um, and I'll usually, I'll usually, I'll usually start the week with uh, just a new list of, hey God, these are some things I'm, you know, asking, asking you to do this week in people's lives. Um, so I got like a, a weekly list of prayers and then I got a big picture thing for like long-term prayers. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, that, that's just kind of my, my rhythm of just trying to make it a priority to pursue God. Um, and, and I, I need it. I just feel a need for, for that. I'm not saying you do it the same way at all. Please don't hear me say that. And, and oftentimes my heart is not as into it as other times, Right. Um, but that's just a rhythm because, man, I just want to take seriously. We're called to be priests. I get access to the throne. I don't want to waste it. I don't want to waste it. I get access to the throne of God. Now, that's, that's one aspect. Now, here's the other aspect. Here's the other side of the coin as priests. We join God in his work in the world. So we go to God, bring the burdens of the world and people into God's presence. But then we bring God's presence back out into the world. Right? Adam and Eve were supposed to do. But they cut, they cut God off. They said, we're going we're gonna to take care. We're, we're going to be in charge of creation without needing you. That's kind of what they did. I mean, gosh, it just popped, it popped on while we are watching the video. I mean, that's the scandals that we see. Isn't that, anytime somebody's abusing their power, isn't that what they're doing? They're saying, I'm going to use the authority given to God, but without you. I'm going to cut you off and I'm going to do what I want with this authority. Right? Isn't that what we, that it. it's like if my daughter Kayla watching her and she's like, sorry, mom and dad, I'm not answering the phone anymore. I'm going to do what I want with these two. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine how long that would last for. So you and I, we're going to God and then we're called to bring his presence, his heart back to the world. One thing I was reading this past week with Tessa actually in John Chapter 5, he, um, Jesus healed this lame man. He'd been lame since birth, and Jesus heals him. And 
the religious leaders, instead of saying, wow, God is awesome, they said, mm, you did it on the Sabbath day, though. It's cool that this guy can walk finally after 38 years, but it's the Sabbath day. And you shouldn't have done that. And Jesus' response was 5.17, John 5.17, Jesus said, my father is always at his work to this very day, and so I too am working. In other words, God doesn't take the Sabbath day off. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbaths. And so since everything was fractured in Genesis 3, my father has been at work redeeming the world. I'm joining him in that. I'm joining him in that work. And that just popped out to me this week was that's what we're called to do as his priests. We join God in his work in the world. You and I. He's always at work. When you go to your job, menial and tedious and boring as it may be, he is always at work. He's at work there. He's at I believe if you are a follower of Jesus and you have a job, then God is at work in the hearts of the people you work with. I don't think it's an accident that you work there. He's, he's doing something in their hearts, preparing them for you <laughs> to love them in God's name, maybe share about Jesus. I don't think it's an accident. Those of you who go to school, kids, you go to school, college students, adults going back to school, God didn't send you there by accident. You're called to be his priest. You're called to see where he's working and join him in that work. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's where I struggle. Here's where I struggle. Just like the religious leader said, the Sabbath day isn't a time for these types of things. You and I do that all the time. We, 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 we delineate between spiritual time and I got to get my job done and this is my time to make money. And, and, and for me, I'll just have a plan for the day and if a neighbor pops over or something happens that interrupts me, I have a hard time believing that God's at work in that. I'm like, no, no, no. This is an obstacle to what I'm supposed to be doing instead of going work here my father's always working so neighbor stops over let me welcome this opportunity let me welcome this interruption that makes sense i struggle with that i struggle with that one more than the, the first one pursuing god's presence right i feel like okay i'm me and god i, I feel like i'm being as faithful as I can be right now. But with this one, I struggle. I'm not always faithful with the uh, divine interruptions he brings my way. Because I, 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 I set aside, okay, this is the time, God, when I want to see you at work. But right now, when I go into the grocery store, I just want to get it done. I go into Walmart, no joke, this is my OCD. I'm like, how, how fast can I do this? 15 minutes? Let me see if I can do this. I time myself going through the grocery store. So if God has a divine interruption for me, I got to like stop my top, stop my watch. Okay. Because I said it. Church time, I'm praying for big things. I don't pray for big things going into Walmart. But God's always working, so I should be on the lookout. I should be on the lookout. So, I'm going to call a band up. We're going to sing a song. They're going to sing a song over us, rather. I just want you to sit there. I just want you to sit there. Listen, take this in. But before I do, I want to pray. How many of you guys, so I, I, I showed two aspects, right? 
let me just back this up. Right? Priests pursue the presence of God in prayer. How many of you guys would say this is an area where I'm weak? I want, want, I want to be more passionate. I don't want to do this to go through the motions. I want to be passionate about coming to God in prayer. How many of you would say, yeah, I need, some, I need some more passion driving me there? I'm not expecting everybody to raise their hand. Just some of you guys, it's this one. Okay. Okay, now how, how many of you say it's this other one? I want, to, I want to join God in his work in the world, and I just get too focused on my little life and what I got going on. Okay. Okay. It certainly could be both, right? This is the one I'd say, yeah, yeah, help me, Lord. Let me just pray. Let me pray for the first group. Can the first group put your hand up again? You can close your eyes if you want or not. Yeah, Jesus, uh, this is where I think you want to answer. <laughs> Give us passion to come to you. and You've made a way. You made a way. So for these men and women who have their hands up, Fill them with a fresh understanding of the privilege we have. And it's not something we have to do to earn your favor. No, 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 no. It's because we get your favor. It's because we have your favor that we get as a gift coming to your presence. The people of Israel, as they watched Aaron enter the well, they would have been saying, oh, if only we could get to have that presence of God, that access. We get it. We get it. So God, help us to take advantage of it. Oh, help us. Now the second group, if you would put your hand up. Lord, these folks are working jobs. They're in their homes. They're dealing with pain. They have money to make. They have to provide for families. They have decisions to make. They have busy lives, but God, I pray that they would have the desire to see where you're working, have the discernment to know how you're working, and then when needed, have the courage and the boldness to step in and partner with you in what you're doing. Even if it means plans for the day get ruined. Even if it means saying no to something else. Even if it means looking like a fool at their jobs. Finally, I want to pray for one more group of people. Y'all can put your hand up. If there's anybody here who's never said yes to Jesus, you don't have access to the presence of God, but you want it. You want it. You want it. Put your hand up. You've never trusted in Jesus as your Savior. Anybody here who'd say, yeah, I want to trust in Him as the one who covered over my sins. Just put your hand up. I just want to include you in this prayer. Just see anybody else. Okay. So God, thank you for the one who's raised their hand. They are declaring that the Savior and that Jesus, you are that Savior. I thank you for that. Thank you for that. Trusting in you means that this one gets access to your presence and becomes part of your priesthood. That's awesome. 
and we celebrate. We rejoice with the angels of heaven. Let's just celebrate that right now. All right, the band's going to sing a song. I just hope this moves you. If you feel, we're going to sit. You just sit for this song. But if you feel moved at any point to stand or to kneel, to come down front and kneel if you want to, feel free to do that. <laughs>